The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Dangerous World Podcast, first installment of the Mind Control series that I've been teasing for a couple weeks now. Uh, Going to be doing something very different here. It's just me, just solo dolo, no guests on this first episode at least, because this one here is going to be very name heavy. It's going to be very dense, but I'm trying to make this more of a uh, fun type of way to sort of learn about the early psychology um actually when it first started being called psychology under uh willem wundt and um i mean this is a very interesting dude um he really is the first guy to ever call himself a psychologist and he comes out of prussia which uh was essentially germany and um i mean it really shaped the german empire and a lot of the knowledge that we take from of uh, off of modern day psychology comes from these German elite. Now, these German elite back then were doing some pretty fucked up things. Um, so it, it, it's very interesting and kind of disturbing when you see that our modern day school system is based off of the Prussian school system, uh, sort of indoctrinating rather than educating. And I'm taking all of my research essentially from one book by Jim Keith. It's called Mind Control, World Control, the Encyclopedia of Mind Control. Incredible book. Um, This is the first book that I'm reading cover to cover and actually covering on the podcast. Um, Awesome stuff. I mean, this guy has a whole mind control series. So if you like what you hear here in the first episode... Um, and you still have more questions after what's looking like it's going to be a five to six part series, just depending on how efficiently I can get through this. Again, incredibly dense stuff and not something that I think a lot of people would want to read, but I feel like we're very much under a serious state of mind control right now, not just here in the United States, but around the world. Um, we see a lot of people openly embracing this tyranny and is that because they're under some state of mind control i'm not sure i mean i I feel like i think that we're kind of under a trance even those of us that kind of have seen through this whole covid nonsense um but we are also playing really big into the division whether we want to admit it or not i mean everyone really is um you know the people that were following q you guys were being brainwashed um, and I was I was excited about Q. I mean, I thought that it was a fun thing. I kind of saw past it fairly early on once I really started looking at the post and I started seeing how excited people were about like memes and things like that. And it's not me saying that you guys that continue to follow Q are stupid or anything like that by any means. I mean, I follow some things that are probably brainwashing me too. And that's why I find it so fascinating. And so I want to get into it more. Um, But back to this book, I mean, Jim Keith, he's written a series on mind control and uh, more specifically conspiracy theories as a whole. Um, So some of the other books that he's written are mind control, world control, which is this one here, NASA, Nazis, and JFK, the Torbit document, mind control, 
Oswald and JFK were we controlled the gemstone file, Howard Hughes, Onassis and JFK. I mean, this is shit right up our alley. You know what I mean? The guy knows his stuff. And clearly, I mean, anytime you see George Orwell quoted on the inside cover, um, it's, uh, you know, it's going to be a banger. What he quotes from George Orwell is this. If both the past and the external world exist only in the mind, and if the mind itself is controllable, what then? Um, I mean, George Orwell, dude, you got to love the guy. So uh, going to get into this book here after some housekeeping. If my fucking computer will stop doing this. Uh, sorry about that <laughs> early off the bat here. But um, so what I got here, what I'm going to cover in this first episode, I'm going to start again, reading all of these chapters from cover to cover. I'm going to cover the first five in this episode here. Um, things to come. Lodge Brothers and Little Hitlers, Taking the Psych Out of Psychology, Hey Teachers, Leave Those Kids Alone, and then what's going to be in the Patreon portion here is the Tavistock Institute, and he covers all this stuff, man. It's fucking fascinating stuff. So um, I hope that you guys are excited about this. I always have to thank the Patreon subscribers and the Patreon supporters up front here. You guys are always getting me closer and closer to doing this full time, and I really appreciate you all so very much um three dollars five dollars ten dollars whatever you feel like given monthly it's greatly appreciated with that three dollar tier you get eight full episodes a month um i also will walk you through the process of getting your own private rss feed so that you don't have to go to patreon other than to set it up um which takes just a few minutes and then you plug in the private rss feed you get all the full episodes and i mean it's a done deal um shows up just like the free episodes do and uh, honestly, it's it's great $3 if you enjoy the podcast even a little bit, guys. So uh, always appreciate that. $5 is going to get you the rants and the episode archives. You get about 69 episodes. Did that on purpose. Uh, 69 of the old episodes. Um, just as uh, as a little thank you for all of the support that you give. And that $10 is really just because you love the show. I mean, that's really it. Um, you also obviously get producer credit. And you're welcome on the show anytime. DangerousWorldStore.com. T-shirts are $17.76. Awesome shirts. Um, we just made that new government is the virus shirt. Four simple words. Just letting people know how fucking tired you are of the bullshit. You know what I'm saying? So um, in available in green and pink right now. DangerousWorldStore.com. $17.76. Greatly appreciate your support there. And last but not least, as far as the housekeeping goes, guys, Manscaped, okay? Not 100% sure if they're staying on board, but I haven't heard from Dominic yet. Probably should not say his name. Uh, that's our connect over there at Manscaped. But I love that guy. He just kind of stuck his neck out. He wanted to support the show. Um, you know, he's over there at Manscaped. They seem to be very open to alternative thought. Um, they're not one of these massive companies that only supports the left, only supports the elitists or the globalists or whatever. Um, they fight testicular cancer. One of the biggest companies really kind of putting a lot of effort into that. And if you go over to manscaped.com, you enter that promo code danger, you can get 20% off and free shipping on that lawnmower 4.0 with the ceramic blade, the 7,000 RPM motor. It's very quiet. You get an LED light, all kinds of great features on that lawnmower. And something that I got recently is that weed whacker that trims all those nose hairs, the ear hairs that I luckily don't have yet, but I'm sure I will get at some point. Um, just a, a, a phenomenal company. Right now, you can also get that uh, care package, which will be uh, essentially everything that you need. I, I believe you get ball deodorant, ball toner, uh, the lawnmower, and the weed whacker. So you are going to be tuned up this summer. You got no excuse to not want to take off that shirt or your pants, if the lady that you're talking with wants you to. Don't just rip your pants down and have your way. We don't do that over here. We don't support that, and neither does Manscaped. So check them out. Again, manscaped.com, 20% off when you enter the promo code DANGER, okay? D-A-N-G-E-R, in all caps, DANGER will get you 20% off and free shipping. And this way, guys, you can escape all those weeds and shrubs this summer, and you're going to be good to go. You're going to be ready to rock. You're going to impress the ladies. And ladies, I've said this before, it doesn't know if it's shaving a sack or some lips. So you can do what you want to with that, okay? Take that the way that you will. Again, I've said this before. I use my lawnmower 4.0 on my beard 
which I have great pride in. Okay. I'm a big fan of my own beard. I think it's one of the greatest beards out there and I'm not afraid to admit it. And that's partially because of Manscaped, partially because of my genetics. You know what I mean? Uh, hairline is not great and Manscaped can't do anything there yet. Maybe in the future we'll see something. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just uh, incredible company. So danger 20% off at manscaped.com. Okay, guys, appreciate that very much. And I appreciate Manscaped a ton. Uh, for what they do for the podcast world. So um, back to the book, guys, you know, I read the first paragraph of this book and that's how I decide what kind of books I'm going to buy from like a used bookstore, Bookman's, Barnes and Noble, Bookman's is local here, Um, Barnes and Noble, any of these, you know, bookstores I enjoy. I don't read the back because that's how they sell you the book. That's like the best shit that they can think of to sell it to you. I read the first paragraph of each chapter. And once I get bored, I stop, and if I don't read each chapter, uh, first paragraph, I just put it down. I'm like, fuck this. I can spend my money on some silver bars or some, uh, I don't know, some booze of some kind, you know? Um, But this one really jumped out to me, and not only because I've been fascinated with mind control since I started researching conspiracies about a decade ago, but because it seems like it's going in hyperspeed right now. I mean, we're really seeing the globalists and the new world order, if you will, which is referenced several times in this book. Um, We're seeing them have to work overtime and they make you think it's because Donald Trump jumped in. I mean, Donald Trump was created by the Tavistock Institute coming out of uh, uh, the UK, uh, more specifically Britain. A very interesting stuff. I mean, Tavistock, for those that may not know, they, their one goal after world war II was to find a way to manipulate the masses in a very efficient, calculated way. Um, sometimes we get these events that some people tend to think aren't completely contrived, like 9-11, um, which, you know, in my opinion, and I think a lot of you share the opinion, it was a false flag. It was a staged false flag event that was put in place to remove some of our rights and to also traumatize us and get us ready to submit to the government. Um Now, I'm not saying that people didn't die, you know, uh, tragic event, but it is also kind of fucked up when they start saying that the insurrection on January 6th with a few Trump supporters and some grandmas and some folks that, I mean, think about this, guys. Everyone that of those people is probably a supporter of the Second Amendment. There was no guns brought there. There was no people shooting police officers you see these crocodile tears coming out of these Capitol police officers and these politicians that say that they were called the N word and things like that. I mean, that's bullshit. I don't believe it for a second. And I hope you guys don't either, but this is some of these methods that these elitists use to try to control us. Um, And they're very good at it. They've really perfected it over time. So um, like I said, guys, this episode is going to be dense. Lots of names that I'm going to be throwing around. I'll do my best to explain them. But um, this is about five chapters of a pretty large book. And so if I go and I ex- explain everything in great detail, this will be a 12-hour episode. So I don't want to do that too much. If you have any questions about anything, feel free to DM me on Instagram, Dangerous World Pod on Instagram. You can email me, dangerousworldpodcast at gmail.com. I know I use Gmail, but it is what it is. I don't have my own... Uh, website email yet um or uh i mean patreon is a great way to to um uh get a hold of me as well but uh again gonna explain everything that i can so uh, uh prussia is where this idea is coming out of and i'm not saying that you should connect prussia with the nazis but i'm not saying that you shouldn't um now it's not a part of uh germany i think it's I think it's closer to Switzerland. I'm so bad with geography. And it seems essentially like it was it's a fallen city. Um, it, it's not what it was. Obviously, we see that men, especially elites, have really wanted to try to control their peers throughout time. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're the monkeys back in the day or you're more modern day men. And rather than wars or religions or this propaganda type shit that we see so often, it's clear that there has been a massive effort to actually get inside the minds of humans and manipulate their feelings and their thoughts. And the great Tim Dillon uh, on his recent episode was explaining how he thought that COVID-19 is actually the perfect, most efficient bioweapon 
that could be contrived. You know what I mean? It's, it's extremely good for what it was meant to do. It was meant to divide people, right? If you make a bioweapon that's so deadly that everyone dies from it, the country that releases that, China, would get bombed. I mean, the world would go against them, and they already kind of are, but we can't prove it because we have some lemmings and some freaking, uh, you know, turncoats and some, what, Benedict Arnold, whatever you want to call these people in the U.S. government, in the, the world government, these globalists really stick up for China and they make it so that it wouldn't be 100% justified to go in and right the wrongs that China did, um, specifically the CCP. I mean, I know you guys know that I'm, when I refer to China, I'm talking specifically about the CCP. Um, just a, I mean, it's, it's very well done. And I thought that that was very, very intelligent of Tim Dillon to bring up. He's a misunderstood genius, man. He's my favorite comedian. Um, really, really intelligent stuff that, that, that dude comes at, uh, from a, a comedic standpoint. And I thought that that really, I mean, he hit the nail on the head with that one. Um, but not only are they trying to tweak our thoughts, they're trying to actually tweak our humanness as well. And I think that this is where that transhumanism comes in. They're trying to make us less human. And you'll see why that fits in so well here, because they actually don't view humans as humans. They don't view themselves as humans even. And now at the beginning of the 20th century is really when this stuff started getting kicked off. Okay. It was a time of relative peace for the West. Okay. Everything seemed peaceful relative to now, at least just before World War One. When, uh, I mean, it seemed like opportunity was everywhere. The American dream was alive and thriving. It was well, okay? To be clear, I do think it is still alive. It's just much more difficult because we have a lot more obstacles today and a lot more tyranny really hitting us. So it was sort of at the same time when people are living in this period of jubilee, right? Everything seems great. This is when the League of Nations was starting to really try to figure out the downfall of humanity, the creation of the Federal Reserve, the FBI being created, the U.S. income tax law was put in place. Um, the first ideas of global government and the new world order structure were really being kicked around at this time. And I find that fascinating. H.G. Um, Wells was the unofficial spokesperson and the publicist for the groups like the Cecil Rhodes Roundtable Elitist Society, and Rhodes was a Rothschild agent, actually. So um, those that don't know who Cecil Rhodes is, very, very controversial figure. Some people view him as a hero. A lot of people do not like him. Uh, I believe he died in what is known as Cape Town today, if I'm not mistaken. Um, just a, um, I mean, I think he was a, what, a mining magnate. Um, really, really successful dude. A globalist's globalist right there. I mean, a, a very, very influential, big kind of a spooky boogeyman for a lot of the more populist people. Um, weird, weird dude, but he was tight with H.G. Wells. And Rhodes, like I said, he was a Rothschild, and he left his fortune to Lord Rothschild in a supposed secret will. So I found that very interesting. And his group later spawned the Council on Foreign Relations, that CFR that we're you know, worried about today very much. And Rhodes was also connected to the Rothschilds through the Sassoon dynasty. And the Sassoon dynasty made their money shipping opium, okay? Very likely connected to the Lee bloodline. That's the L-I bloodline, Lee, okay? That's one of those 13 bloodlines of the Illuminati that Fritz Springmeier referenced several times. It's on the CIA website. Um, really interesting book. I'm trying to talk with that dude. I don't know if he's even alive, though, Um he says he's still alive, but I hear all the time, like, you know, he's not, not doing shit and blah, blah, blah. So, but I'm getting sidetracked. The, the idea here is not only that the Sassoon dynasty was connected to this one bloodline, the Lees. I mean, all these 13 bloodlines are connected. The, the Reynolds bloodline was really connected. Obviously the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers have their fingers in everything that these guys are doing. Um, but you'll see here, especially in this, that the Rockefellers are really the ones that I'm focusing on. Obviously, I just mentioned the Rothschilds, but the Rothschilds made their money through finance. The Rockefellers achieved power through education, through medicine. Now, they also made a shit ton of money, but not as much as the Rothschilds, um, because the Rothschilds, again, were focused on money. And they take that same approach where the Rothschilds split off those five brothers, went to different areas, and they ran central banking uh, or central banks in different major cities. The Rockefellers 
took that same approach, but it wasn't only family members. It was also agents of the Rockefellers that went on and started some of those Ivy League schools. Um, in my opinion, all of them. However, I can't prove that. Okay. So Cecil Rhodes, I guess, wrote to W.T. Stead, who I found this fascinating. W.T. Stead was a British pioneer of investigative journalism. But what's more interesting about this dude is that he died on the Titanic. And if you know anything about Dangerous World Podcast, the Titanic is very interesting. That's a huge conspiracy. We did an episode on that a while back. Uh, after episode 100 so it's not too far back that you got to go to watch that episode really fun episode i did back when brandon was part of the show did it with lala beams um and this was in um he they wrote this note uh cecil rhodes wrote the note to wt steed or stead in um 1890 saying that if the british empire had not lost to the u.s and had not lost that land and all those resources it would have actually secured global peace for the world for the rest of eternity, okay? Now, I don't know how he would know that. Seems like a uh, fantasy, a globalist fantasy to me. Uh, but nonetheless, this is what a very influential and powerful figure back then said uh, to another influential, powerful figure who happened to die on the Titanic. Uh, was he an enemy of J.P. Morgan? Probably, if he if he got on the ship with, uh, you know, John Jacob Astor and Guggenheim and all the other folks that uh, unfortunately died. That, you know, it seems like if you're talking about Wealthy elites, the ones that died on the Titanic, uh, could have changed the direction of history for the United States and kept us on more of a path that would be more aligned with what our forefathers wanted uh, for the country and for their um, descendants. Anyway, uh, he also claimed that the only way to reach that world peace was with a secret one society or a secret new world order. I mean, this is in his words. His words were the secret one society. And for that society to gradually absorb all the wealth in the world. Now, he clearly wanted the world to be under the British Empire, right? Um, so this is not populism. This is globalism. This is a one world monarchy. And this is why a lot of people tend to think that the Queen of England is still that queen dragon lizard lady, right? Uh, I don't know why I just called her a lady, queen li li lizard, lady, bitch, whatever, you know, uh, shady, shady shit that they're always up to over there. And they have some serious connections. And I guess I get it. I mean, like, you know, it, it makes sense back then that if he is a British individual uh, with some serious money and some serious connections. Yeah. I mean, I could see why they would be pretty pissed off about losing the United States and all that land on the other side of the Atlantic. Um, but yeah, I mean, think about how, much tyranny the british people are going under right now where there's pretty intense lockdowns they really are pushing the covid passes over there serious food crises in the works uh especially there in, in australia and canada which again these are all areas that britain uh that the house of windsor still owns okay now before the pandemic scare there were two people this is something serious to think about here two people on record with over 100 billion dollars now there's over nine on record. We're not talking about Putin. We're not talking about the House of Windsor, Queen Elizabeth, whatever. We're talking about like Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, uh, Elon Musk, the, the Walton family, uh, the Google guys, Sergey Brin, Larry Page, all these people. There is a lot more people that are centi-billionaires, meaning they make over $100 billion, or they have more than $100 billion, when there were only two before the pandemic. This is a massive transfer of wealth. So we are falling into this plan that Cecil Rhodes was talking about with uh, Stead. Uh, all this wealth is being transferred to these people and all these people have money laundered to them, meaning those billionaires, those richest people in the world. They don't really make all that money. They have money laundered to them from the poor. You know, some of our tax dollars go to these guys. They don't pay many taxes and they are part of the one world government. I mean, they're agents here, all of them, even Elon Musk. You know, a lot of people like to give him a pass because he says things that we want to hear. But if they step out of line, they get everything taken from them. They're all playing their roles. They're all playing their parts. And this is part of that mind control shit. And it's a fucking elaborate scheme. It's so in-depth. And these people know exactly what they're doing. And, um, I mean, this is some of the light that I want to shed here. So H.G. Uh, Wells, okay? I know that a lot of you guys have heard of H.G. Wells. Um, most famous for science fiction works, notably that War of the Worlds, which was uh, famously or infamously broadcasted by orson wells okay um but with permission and actually deliberate instruction in my opinion he also wrote propaganda books 
The Open Conspiracy is one. Uh, the full title of that is The Open Conspiracy Blueprints for a World Revolution. He wrote a book called just simply The New World Order. Another one is The Shape of Things to Come, The Ultimate Revolution. These books are literally predictive programming from the New World Order of the New World Order from a 1930s or 40s perspective, okay? Now, he actually claims, he being H.G. Wells, claims that the city of London is responsible for the world economy. I tend to agree. City of London is different from London, of course, right? City of London is about a square mile. It's the banking capital of the world. So I tend to agree. He Again, claiming that the city of London is responsible for the world economy. And if it weren't for wars, the world would be closer to a perfect world government ran by elites who are in no way selfish, right? This is what uh, Wells was claiming. Now, we know wars are fought almost entirely over money, right? So I don't know if this is some power structure or if some of the elites, the influential ones, are not fully embracing a one-world government. or Maybe they just don't want to give up their power. Um, war seems to be good for some people. And what H.G. Wells is claiming here is that war is not good for their overall agenda. Um, it makes sense, but it also makes sense that you would want to kill off as many alphas as possible. Uh, to get them out of the way. So, I mean, it's just a simple, simple thought process, but at the same time, seems fairly complicated here. Essentially, what I think it really is, is it's a way to shift money from one side of the fight to the other, okay? Now, this is a brief sort of rundown of the process, in my opinion, okay? So tax dollars go to support a war effort on both sides, okay? Now, in the United States, a lot of our tax dollars go to the war effort when we are fighting a war, Um this is why they need to do things like 9-11, where everyone gets behind the war. A lot of people weren't behind Vietnam, but a ton of people were behind World War II. I was actually talking with my uncle that um, he didn't tell anyone that he was part of the Vietnam War until about a decade after he got out, where his dad was very proud that he was part of World War II. Again, a lot more support behind World War II than Vietnam. Um, so I'll, I'll circle back to that first step. So the tax dollars go to support a war effort. Now, the chosen few own the military industrial companies and a fraction of tax dollars go to the war effort and a majority go into the pockets of those chosen few who not only own the medical, uh, I'm sorry, the military industrial companies, but the ones that really are kind of in, put in place to carry out agendas and to make it seem like we're just living in a normal world where Uh, There's a few rich people and they just continue to get rich. I mean, it's clear once you start seeing this kind of stuff, but often those chosen few people are actually supporting both sides of the wars. Okay. Think like the Rockefellers in world war two standard oil, the Nazi jets and the allied jets both ran off the same fuel that had to buy from who standard oil. I mean, there was a proprietary uh, ingredient in this fuel that powered the planes and it was the only way that they could run. Um, very, very interesting. Uh, no one seems to really question this kind of shit. And the Bushes were also part of this stuff. Now they're supposedly Rockefeller cronies as well. Not a, not a stretch to believe that by any means. Um, but all the while inflation and now in 2021 money printing is really going on and this weakens the currencies, right? So the U S dollar is really being weakened right now. We're seeing some serious inflation. A lot of people are saying hyperinflation. I don't know if that's going to happen. There is talk of the dollar being abandoned by a bunch of countries. The numbers stretch from like 23 to 136. Um, I don't see that happening, but I mean, I'm not an economics professional. It's not my forte. I do uh, enjoy studying it, but I, I think that we have a few decades before we see this kind of serious trouble here in the United States. But what do I know? I mean, a, a lot of developments have been occurring that I did not even see happening with my conspiratorial mindset. Um, so anyway, before World War II, H.G. Uh, Wells supposedly predicted. Now, I, I believe he was actually told uh, its aftermath would be a time of great frustration for the new world order, which ironically, this was a great boom for most Americans and a lot of the West. I mean, this is when the subdivision or the suburb was created. It was to house all of these people that had a little bit of money in their pocket and uh, goods were, uh, I should say, um, you know, raw materials were fairly inexpensive for the United States. So they needed tons of houses. And instead of people owning land and kind of living off the grid, so to speak, 
they move into these subdivisions where everyone's kind of packed in. You can kind of touch one another's houses by just leaning out your window, right? Um, but a massive expanding economy was going on here. The American dream, again, in full swing. But for the elite, this is the time where they like lost a lot of the progress that they had made leading up to the world wars. Now, the world wars, like one and two, were fought pretty damn close to each other. World War Three has not happened yet. But there's this quote, I think it was Einstein, it's something along the lines of um, World War Three will be fought with atomic bombs, but World War Four will will be fought with sticks. I think this may be why they're waiting, but I, I think that this time could be drawing near. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like it's a contradictive idea to think that the dollar's not going to fall. But at the same time, uh, World War Three is on the horizon. I don't know. I'm not trying to feed you fear porn here. Um, I'm just saying that these are just ideas to kick around in your own head and, and come to your own conclusions. But Wells also believed that the one world government would be achieved after a period of rampant disease. How does that sound for a prediction? A few decades after World War II. Now, we're what, about six decades? 45 is when it ended. So, yeah, about six, seven decades, uh, eight decades. Uh, what are we? Eight decades, I believe. Yeah. Something like that. Math is horrible, guys. Okay. Um, his specific year there was 1978, after a more than decade-long struggle for a new nation uh, beginning in uh, 1966. So he was clearly wrong about a specific date here, but his idea is on point. I mean, we have COVID going on right now, which is not a deadly disease or a period of deadly disease, as he states, but it's very much uh, what they're trying to go for. They're trying to pound this into people's heads that this is the deadliest pandemic of all time, more dangerous than the Spanish flu or the bubonic plague, which is making a rise because a lot of disenfranchised people from the southern border are coming through and they're actually fucking bringing the bubonic plague back. So this may be the real pandemic that is being ushered in by the Biden regime. Um, again, they're confusing us. They're They're telling us that up is down. And that's part, that's an aspect of mind control, which I promise the mind control shit is getting in and the psychology is coming, but I just want to lay down the uh, groundwork that the book does so perfectly well. And it all really makes sense. We're going full circle here. Okay, guys. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, Cecil Rhodes was a big fan of Woodrow Wilson, who, again, a big globalist globalist and this idea of the league of nations. Okay. That is essentially a one world order. That's a new world order right there. Again, it's very important to note that Wells had massive connections and he was told to expose their plans in fiction works. So this is to normalize them. Okay. Now, according to Jim Keith, who again is the author of this book, the Cold War likely slowed down the process of this one world government. And it could explain H.G. Wells' ambitious target of 1978 or so being off by at least 50 or 60 years. Um, I think that we're just starting to see the beginning of the actual process unfold, um, but they had to weaken the system. And uh, I think that this is why, uh, you know, the cold war would definitely account for, uh, for HG Wells prediction, which again, you know, being told by his connections is off by so much. Now here's where the Rockefeller school system comes into play. Okay. This is when it's starting to become the standard is right around the end of world war two. This is when Tavistock comes in told you i'm not getting into that later but the rockefeller school system is becoming the standard brainwashing rather than educating okay much of its scientific and i, I mean that's in heavy quotes here and behavioral studies come from a german psychology professor wilhelm maximil hold on hold on here wilhelm maximilian want okay w-u-n-d-t if you want to look this individual up he passed away in 1920 but by the way, this was the first guy that ever called himself a psychologist. And before Wundt, psychology was simply the study of the soul or the mind. Okay, this is like, you know, it, it gave some sense that humans were special. Humans weren't just dumb animals. Um, we had something that not only allowed us to create, you know, infrastructure and society uh, separate from the animals, but we had a connection with God. Um, and this is what the study of the mind was right now. He kind of knew that propagandizing psychology would be very beneficial in achieving a one world order. And in hindsight, it's total. I mean, it's like a duh. It's like a no shit. Right. But this was really fucking smart for him back then. You know, he's an elitist and him and his peers 
were convinced that this would be the way to go is to propagandize this. And he was a very, very intelligent individual. And he kind of took this upon himself to change the field and reshape it for the 20th century by mixing science and Hegelianism, more specifically Marxist materialism, and then uh, sprinkled a little bit of fascist statism in there. Okay. Now, I I mentioned the uh, Hegelianism. This comes from George Wilhelm Friedrich Hegel. Now, the Hegelian dialectic can really be broken down into some of Hegel's own words. And I'll read you a quote here. The state is the absolute reality, and the individual himself has objective existence, truth, and morality only in his capacity as the member of the state. Okay, He believes the man actually uh, lives and truly enjoyed to serve the state. Um, that's a fucking insane idea to me. But again, I mean, this is communism right here. This is Marxism. This is that Marxist materialism that I just spoke about. And now a more modern way to sort of explain this is the way that the elite create the mindset of the people that they desire. And this is that problem reaction solution that you hear pretty often. Now, the philosophy has been used over time to carry out horrid acts against humanity. I mean, we, we can name a bunch off the top of our heads here, but it seems that governments in the West are adopting this on a large scale now. I think things like the Holocaust and things like 9-11 were tests. They were precursors to what we're seeing now. And again, you can go as deep as you want with this. False flags, gun grabs, uh, AIDS, vaccines, um, shit, what else? GMO food, uh, the cigarette propaganda, wars, um, again. Anywhere you want to go with it, if you have an idea in your head, I'm interested to think what the best example of the Hegelian dialectic could be. Um, but again, it's that problem reaction solution. You see um, that Obama wants to grab guns. And so there's tons of school shootings when he's president. Um, you know, during Trump's presidency, there were some false flags, but the Obama administration was rife with false flags. And uh, that's something very interesting there that I find to be really on point with the New World Order. I, I think that a lot of us could agree on the surface. Obama advertised, he sort of telegraphed that he was a globalist, and Trump does not do that, right? Uh, but at the same time, I think that they realistically, man, uh, this might this might lose some people, but I think that they're essentially on the same team. And if they're not on the same team, Neither one of them are on your team. That's that's something that I hope we can agree on. Um, but yeah, I mean, these people look out for each other, I think, at the end of the day. They may be crime bosses, uh, you know, opposing sides. But at the same time, I just find it to be uh, a little too, too coincidental that we get a far lefty and then a far righty right after. And then right after the far righty, it's not he's not playing by their rules, so they put in another far lefty. Uh, who really doesn't even know what the hell's going on. It's essentially Obama's third term. Um, Kamala Harris isn't showing up. She's in over her head, clearly. And uh, we're just seeing the same old shit that we saw under Obama. So, I mean, get ready for false flags, guys. I think that with the way that the internet is, it's kind of more difficult for them to pull it off. Social media is insane. I mean, these citizen journalists kill the game when it comes to this shit, exposing truth. But uh, I can get off track with that real quick. So, I, they they essentially they create events to address a specific problem and then achieve a specific goal. Okay, that's what we know that, right? Now back to one here. He taught at the University of Leipzig, and I think I'm pronouncing that right. L-E-I-P-Z-I-G. Um, this is again, this is a Leipzig is a very, very populous region. Uh back then in Prussia. Uh really, really interesting uh kind of a cult shit going on in that region and at that school especially, but he used ideas from Hegel and Marx to redefine psychology or study of the soul and the human mind, like I mentioned, right? So the study of the nervous system and based it more on uh, physio physiology, uh, that's a hard word for me to say right there, um, more about how the brain fires off these synapses and how the actual science behind the brain works. And when you are seeing it like that, you can essentially bend the will of man or you can say that he was trying to carry something out or he feels a certain way just because you want it to fit your agenda. It's a very, very deep concept. Um, but once you kind of understand that, it's obvious. It's so obvious when you see how 
this scientism is taking over science. Uh, scientism is, of course, uh, sort of a religion based on science where there's no real science going on, but they want to show you like they, they parade someone out like Fauci, who's a fucking clown. Um, and I think that they are are trying to use him as a clown for their own amusement right now. But you have someone like him who's clearly saying things that just are not based by science. But then he says, when you're attacking me, you're attacking science. That's exactly what we're talking about right here. So um, the elite can now actually morally just play with and, uh, you know, just control society using this dialectic from Hegel. And they also just would kill millions with no repercussions in their own minds. Right now, this took generations to actually carry out properly. But you see like the Milgram experiments going down. Um, which a lot of people say that COVID is a massive Milgram experiment being carried out. These people are are in their own heads. They're okay doing this, um, doing things that would get you sent to hell if you believed in heaven and hell. If only people had a soul, but they don't have a soul, right? These are just animals that their brains evolved in such a way that allows us to speak and create and learn at a rapid rate compared to animals, right? Now, other psychologists like John B. Watson, big, big name in the psychology field, built off of once methods perpetuating behaviorism like Pavlov. You know how Pavlov did the fucked up shit with the dogs, but he was doing this in um, Russia. And rather than dogs, Watson was using children. Now, when I mentioned Russia, that's obviously Pavlov. But yeah, Watson was using children the same way that Pavlov was using dogs. Most infamous example is known as Little Albert, okay? Now, Little Albert was given a white rat to play with repeatedly until he started to expect this rat. So like clockwork, they would bring in this cute little white rat and the kid would play with it. Now, these kids back then, they weren't little snowflakes like kids today. And if you have a kid, I'm not saying that he or she is a snowflake. I'm sure that if you're listening to the show, your kid's a tough motherfucker. But, you know, as a whole, kids back then were pretty damn tough. So this kid playing with this cute rat that he enjoys playing with, and um, he's used to it. You know, after he eats, he gets to play with the rat every day. And he actually grew to love this rat, right? Now, Watson started banging on the ground with a large pole right when the kid started playing with the rat. And this started to get the kid terrified of the rat because even though he loved the rat and he loved playing with the rat, he would associate the rat instead of with love which, you know, before he may have been a little squeamish about the rat, but then that was his only friend, grows to love the rat, and then, uh, you know, cried when he didn't get to play with the rat. Then Watson brings in the rat and starts banging on the ground, and he starts freaking the kid out, giving the kid a headache by, by making these loud noises. And the kid starts crying, and he starts associating the rat instead of with love, associates it with fear and with loud noises. Now, he did this to the point where Albert would freak out any time he saw any kind of small furry animal. It didn't even matter if it was a white rat or a black dog or a brown cat, whatever. The kid would get so, I mean, Watson got into this little Albert kid's head so fucking deep that the kid didn't want to see anything cute and furry like that. Now, what's kind of fucked up is after that point, there's no real records available on what actually happened to little Albert there. Uh, but after these experiments were done, Watson became an advertising executive. So he essentially got a big, big raise, big pay grade raise. Um, and uh, I mean, again, no one knows what happened to this poor kid. But that's not the worst. I mean, like B.F. Skinner had some pretty fucked up shit that, that uh, went down with his kids. I'll get into that later. I'm about to talk about B.F. Skinner now. But uh, one last thought here on Watson. He claimed that men weren't born. They're built. OK, and he can also he I, what he thought was that he can take any baby and make it a murderer, a dope fiend or a leader. And um, I think that that, you know, this is a real thing that people do. A lot of people say that Obama was groomed. Um, a lot of people say Trump was groomed, just depending on what side of the aisle you, you find yourself on. Now, B.F. Skinner, another infamous, infamous character in this stuff or, or, you know, famous, depending on how you look at this, was an army intelligence. OK. Another major student of once theories, and he created operant conditioning through positive and negative reinforcement. He learned that you can actually make animals and humans alike uh, perform these unthinkable tasks. OK, so again, like Pavlov a little bit, um, Pavlov was more about the negative reinforcement, I believe. 
and um, Skinner would really utilize both. Now, the Skinner box was one of these really insane uh, inventions that this dude did, um, really kind of famous for, but it was an environmentally controlled crib-sized box for children. He also used animals, but he put several kids in, and he began to work at shaping the psyche of a group of kids, not just one at a time, but several. And it's kind of fucked up. He actually put his own daughter in the experiments and his daughter committed suicide in her twenties. So, I mean, that just lets you know how fucked up these people are. They don't even see their own children as kids. And this can kind of let you know how, I mean, Joe Biden and how fucked up Hunter Biden is. um, And then the way that Hunter Biden sees young children, you know, um, Hunter Biden's clearly a damaged person. And it's uh, because these people see humans as this. Uh, Joe Biden doesn't believe that Hunter has a soul. Um, Hunter Biden probably doesn't believe that his niece had a soul when he was fucking her, right? Or his uh, his brother's uh, his dead brother's uh, wife or widow. So yeah, I mean it's a it's a dark thing to talk about, but this is this is on record that this dude used his daughter, uh, and she killed herself uh, 19 years later uh, or so. And um, I mean sad sad stuff it's unimaginable what these guys were doing to young kids because this is when you need to get to them right is when they're young before they have any logic of their own um so skinner wrote books about how society would function if it had adopted his positive and negative reinforcement approach and uh they got a lot of attention i mean walden uh the second uh or i'm sorry walden too uh, in 1948 describes a communist utopia with a clear hierarchical structure and social credit score, right? This is what we're talking about today, uh, referred to as the code of conduct and a follow-up beyond freedom and dignity is the title of the book. Uh, in 1971, won the New York Times most important book of the year. Okay, now again, that title is Beyond Freedom and Dignity, published back in 1971, won the New York Times most important book of the year. Um, a book about what is needed is most is more control, not less. Okay. In his own words, they're constantly telling us, okay, this is exactly what they want for us. They're telling us in pop culture. They're telling us in books. They're telling us everywhere what is coming, okay? Um, I mean, it's insane. But these three men, Wundt, Watson, and Skinner, along with others like Pavlov, really provided this atheist slash materialistic viewpoint of all kinds of scientists, uh, um, sciences, that allow them to sleep at night despite carrying out all of these atrocities against their fellow man. There's no repercussions for them. There's nothing on the other side of this life. So we need to work the best that we can to create a great utopia, ideally a communist utopia, for the generations to come. And it doesn't matter how many eggs you got to break, how many people you got to fucking ruin in order to get to that point. Now, the Prussia influence continues on in schools and institutions despite its fall in 1947, okay? Its origins in education go back to 1819, where the first compulsory learning facility was instituted. Now, the school was set aside, and children who could become policymakers, these are like the government leaders, policy assistants, talking doctors, lawyers, engineers, and then the final group was the masses, uh, or like the ones that you can just kind of use, the the experimental people. So this is what's kind of interesting. Half of 1% of kids went to academy, and they were taught to actually critically think. 5.5% of kids went to real school, and it was called, just to learn how to somewhat think, but not completely independently. They wanted them to follow what the half of the 1% of kids thought. And the reason for this sector of schooling was partly because they felt that, I mean, they lost to Napoleon because soldiers were were thinking for themselves. So if more of these kids that grew to be, you know, fighters against Napoleon, if only they had followed mindlessly, they could have beat Napoleon, right? And now the 94% of the lowest, right? The lowest 94% went to something called Volkschulen where they were taught obedience. They weren't taught how to think whatsoever. They were taught to follow systems and to, and to think inside of those systems only. Now, freedom from stressful thinking and how to be a cog in the machine is essentially what we're talking about here. And the idea was to create a schedule of various learning subjects and the kids would master none of them. So it's kind of like today, how we have 
you know, an hour of math, an hour of English, an hour of reading, uh, maybe a few electives once you get up to high school and so on. And that's why, I mean, I didn't learn shit in school. You know, I was horrible at math. I put so much attention trying to learn how to do math better. Um, I mean, I fucking graduated high school. I mean, this is embarrassing, but algebra three, four. So like second year of fucking algebra, you know, you start off with algebra one, two, usually. Um, and then you, you graduate like with, I mean, like geometry would be like some of the, the dumber kids. Um, what else? Calculus, um, statistics would be like one of the higher grade ones, but yeah, algebra three, four for me, because I'm spending all my time. Meanwhile, you know, I'm a better reader. I'm a better writer. I could have been a better reader. Um, in, in elementary school, it's kind of funny. I was actually in special ed reading because, uh, I mean, they just didn't, fu- they don't know how to teach, man. This is nothing against teachers. You're taught how to teach as a teacher. Um, but the school system is both based on this Volkschulen thing where, it, you know, kids are just taught how to use systems. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of fucked up. I think that it's kind of, kind of sad to, to teach 94% of human beings to just go pass the test, follow the rules. Uh, get a shitty job and pay off your debt, right? Now we have Skull and Bonesman and first uh, president of John Hopkins and the Carnegie Institute named Daniel Coit Gilman, okay? This is who we have to really thank for this school system. Now Gilman was a student of the Hegelian philosophy and a major, major supporter of a one world order. And Gilman wasn't just a mediocre bonesman, okay? He was the treasurer of the organization and the head librarian of the Skull and Bones hosting school, Yale University. It's no coincidence that Skull and Bones covertly took over Yale's administration in around 1856 when Gilman returned from Prussia. Again, Prussia's coming up here, uh, fully indoctrinated by Hegel's work. So, of course... You're starting to see the fraternity become very wealthy because all the money coming into school passed through them. And why wouldn't they just use money uh, as they see fit instead of, you know, why not, you know, giving it to the school, building infrastructure, Uh, not give the uh, valuable education that kids would be needing. None of this shit. This is uh, it's all it's all just for them. Right. Um, Building their system exactly the way that they wanted. And this is the way uh, that they followed the old Prussian schooling system. And now I want to talk about Johns Hopkins University here a little bit. Johns Hopkins, uh, and, you know, you've mentioned it several times. Obviously, Bill Gates is a big fan. You've got Fauci being a big fan. Now, Bill Gates may be a big fan because Gilman met with a Frederick T. Gates. Now, I'm not sure if there is a Gates relation there, but... Uh, Gates is a Rockefeller crony and Frederick T. Gates ran Rockefeller's foundations and convinced him to uh, basically merge multiple education funding programs together, creating what we call today the Rockefeller Foundation. So this may be why Gates is so untouchable if he is related to this Frederick T. Gates um, creating this Rockefeller Foundation making it so that you can't really criticize the Rockefellers in a uh, credible way because they do so much for schools, right? Not that they're putting their money out there to get their message across and to do things the way they want. It's because they care about the future of the country and the kids, right? Wrong, in my opinion, but, you know, everyone's entitled to their opinion. I'm just laying down some history here. Once control was obtained of the funds, uh, you know, going into the Rockefeller Foundation and all of these schools, and the administrative aspects were in his hands. Gilman chose his faculty members very carefully, okay, from Skull and Bones specifically. And the most notable was this fellow by the name G. Stanley Hall. He was another once student, okay? His education was paid for by the Skull and Bones Sister Society, Scroll and Key, okay? Now, I'm sure that a lot of you have heard of Scroll and Key. If not, I'm not really going to get into it here, but you can check it out. It's essentially, it's over, over in uh, the U.K., but this is in uh, Leipzig, and he took over and ran the psychological lab and created the American Psychological Association and the American Journal of Psychology. So these dudes, like I said, you see one's name and you see his influence over and over and over again. And you see the indoctrination method rather than the educational method over and over and over again. And that's not a coincidence here. 
Now, this Hall guy goes on to run the Clark University in Massachusetts, where he taught another extremely influential figure in American education, John Dewey. Okay, Uh, this guy wrote the first Hegelian textbook, and Dewey was also very influential um, by uh, University of Berlin graduate Dr. George Sylvester Morris, echoing that Prussian influence in our education system once again. I mean, you see these people all tied to the Prussian education system, all tied back to what really, really kind of sticking together and pushing for this new method of psychology education. Now, these guys believed in statements like, and I quote, there is no God, there is no soul, and there is no needs for the props of traditional religion. Another one here, another good one, with dogma and creed excluded, then immutable truth is also dead and buried. Now think about that one. With dogma and creed excluded, immutable truth is also dead and buried. That's scary shit, man. I mean, old ancient secrets, old knowledge is dead when you can teach new knowledge. Uh, this is why we are so dumbed down. And when a lot of these you know, individuals that come from the education system, not that they're dumb, they're very intelligent, but... What's that intelligent really good for? Intelligence really good for? You know what I mean? It's it's a it's very very interesting. Uh, another little doozy of a quote here: "There is no room for fixed natural law or permanent moral absolutes." So, for example, saying something like "murder is bad" that's not a moral absolute. You can't really say that because murder can be good, right? And I can agree with that one. But let's say something like rape. Is, is not a good thing to do. You shouldn't rape. You shouldn't eat children. You shouldn't torture animals for no reason. This is the kind of shit these guys believe, man. It's insane. It's really, it's demonic. It really is. And they take God out of education or, or at least some spiritual connection. I don't care if everybody believes in the same God I do. But I think that you have to believe in something on the other side. You have to believe that if you live a shitty life, you may have to pay a price. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. Atheists would disagree. I know that my cousin would disagree with that. My my former co-host, he would absolutely disagree with that statement. But we we don't agree on too much, so I'm not gonna you know let that keep me up at night. I respect his opinion. I know he respects mine, and and uh, I respect anyone that disagrees with what I'm saying here. But I do think that people need to believe in something on the other side of this life, and th- otherwise you start falling into this pattern, and it's a chain reaction. If you believe a certain way, your kids tend to believe for the most part. If you're a decent parent, similar to how you do, or they move the ball in either direction, whether they're agreeing with you more as an adult or disagreeing with you more as an adult, um, you're going to push them based off of what you, as the parent uh, that's part of the child's life, uh, sort of believe. So Dewey goes on to head the uh, philosophy, psychology, and teaching departments at the Rockefeller-funded University of Chicago. And are you seeing this pattern? I mean, it's, it's insane. Like the Rothschilds, like I mentioned earlier, They did this with the financial system, but the Rockefeller cronies branch off and they control the highest educational institutes, literally these Ivy League schools, creating facts and science to fit their narrative. I mean, this is powerful shit, man. I don't know if money or power is more important to these people. Clearly to the Rockefeller uh, Foundation and to the Rockefeller cronies, power was more important because money will absolutely follow and you create generational wealth that way. Now, don't get me wrong. The Rothschilds definitely created generational wealth. But the, I think that the Rockefellers were more influential. And I think that you see that in pop culture. I think just about everyone over the age of 30 has heard the name Rockefeller. Um, but you're going to have a lot more people not knowing who the Rothschilds are, not knowing how they made their money, right? Um, very, very powerful shit there, I think. So one thing that Dewey says here that I actually tend to agree with is that the school system is more to teach children how to interact in the world. Um, but he continues, right? The globalists can't just stop at a, at a reasonable statement like that. He goes on to claim that the school is to see how the child would relate to the state rather than the other way around. Also, that education was part of the living process rather than a preparation for the future. So it's really about how the child 
fits into the state rather than the child trying to build a future that they want to see, that they want to be a part of. Um, I have a big problem with that logic. Now, another once student, James McKean, uh, James McKean Cattell is his full name here. He also assisted Wunt and began lecturing at Cambridge, another heavy hitter school right there, after receiving a, decor- a doctorate from Wunt himself. Okay, And uh, he was also later converted to social Darwinism by Darwin's cousin by the name Francis Galton, who is responsible for the rise of eugenics and selective breeding in education. Okay. Cattell established the Wontian Psych Lab at the University of Pennsylvania in 1887 and later in 1891 headed the psychology program at Columbia. So Columbia is a massive, massive university, too. All right, everybody, I hope you enjoyed that portion. If you want to get a little bit of an additional part of the first installment of the Mind Control series, I get into the Tavistock Institute, whose sole purpose was to figure out a way to implement mass mind control, not just over the United States, but across the world. Come over and check it out at patreon.com slash dangerous world podcast.